Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Thursday, January 18th, five minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Vivek Ramaswamy said he will give Ron DeSantis immense credit if he drops out of the GOP presidential race before the New Hampshire primary. Doesn't look like that's happening. Although Ron DeSantis was in New Hampshire yesterday, he has skipped ahead and moved on to South Carolina. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can you say that again, Casey? He's moved on to South Carolina. Boy, isn't it weird? I think yesterday, mm-hmm. somewhere, yeah. some somebody show, yeah. radio show, mm-hmm. uh, some, look, I'm not going to use words like brilliant, uh, <laughs> <laughs> deeply knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use words like that. But You did say that yesterday, didn't you? I, I you did said he, say that, didn't He's I? in New Hampshire, isn't he? And I thought, well, no, not yet, because yesterday he was in New Hampshire, but uh, this weekend he'll be in South Carolina. Now, keep in mind that the New Hampshire primary is coming up on January 23rd. The South Carolina primary isn't until February 24th. So Ron DeSantis is putting his eggs in the proverbial South Carolina basket, right? Right? Well, and then that's why I said yesterday, if he's smart, mm-hmm. he will allow, there's only one way this becomes a two-person race with him, and that is if he defaults on New Hampshire, because Haley's put all her eggs in the New Hampshire basket, and if she loses by 15 points, which she's losing by right now, then she's probably donezo, and DeSantis, look, DeSantis is probably donezo too, but if your goal is to string this out for as long as possible, you can say, hey, I got second in Iowa, and I didn't from day one really even compete in New Hampshire. We've been South Carolina people all the all the time and it, it you know it prolongs your misery, but it does also give you kind of the state to yourself because Trump will largely spend most of his time either in a courtroom or in New Hampshire. And so it just made sense. It's the it's because he wasn't gonna win New Hampshire anyway. He probably wasn't gonna get second in New Hampshire anyway. So why even just act like I didn't want that to begin with. Yeah don't spend the time or money there. So uh DeSant New Hampshire let me start over. South Carolina, a little bit more conservative than New Hampshire. Yes. And is it DeSantis's goal to go to South Carolina and just embarrass Nikki Haley in her home state? Is that what he's trying to do? Well, his goal is to win, I think. And I think there's probably a realization here that if Trump were to were to win. I mean, the worst thing that could happen for DeSantis right now is that Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire or is very close. Because if she's very close, then she can make some sort of claim. Hey, I'm the only guy who's gotten close to this dude and you need to, you know, we're going to my home state. And so everybody needs to get behind me. If she gets blown out of the water, then mm-hmm. she's probably toast. And then, you know, DeSantis can say, hey, she had her chance. She couldn't do it. It's got to be a two person race. Now it's got to be me. Let's see what I can do down here. Um, I, I just it's the only play left and and obviously the resources with that sort of loss even though he got second are going to really start to going to start to dry up so I, I just I, it's like it is like playing checkers at this point where you've got one king and the other guy's got four kings mm-hmm. yeah the game isn't over and you can keep moving your piece side to side and left to right and front to back but 
you're just keeping the checker on the board at this point. You don't really have a path to actually win the game. So Nikki Haley is sitting at 25% in South Carolina. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is polling at 54%. Ron DeSantis, less than 10%. And as I mentioned, the South Carolina primary isn't until February 24th. But there's another primary in between yes. New Hampshire and South Carolina. That is Nevada. Now, that, now that's a caucus. That's a caucus, yes. right? It happens on February 8th. Are they completely ignoring that? Well, I think there's a couple things at play with that. One, it's a caucus, so it's a lot harder to do. Two, the media, because it's Nevada is Las Vegas. There, I mean, let's face it, there's one kind of, I mean, there's a couple quote-unquote major media markets, but it's really Las Vegas. It's very expensive to campaign there. It's rather complex, and I don't think it has a whole lot of, one, delegates, and two, I don't think that... Uh, that the, what's your favorite phrase? The juice is worth the squeeze, mm-hmm. right? You've got all those resources that you'd have to put into that. And it's sort of always been its own kind of unpredictable monster. So I just don't think there's always a lot of play down there. You might get a couple of stops there. You might get a couple of rah-rah speeches, but not a whole lot. So and, and, and there never has been. We're going to talk about the cost of the presidency coming up in just a second. But uh, first, the way Bill O'Reilly sees it is that Ron DeSantis's presidential campaign has no reason to go on after getting crushed in Iowa, and he should just step down. He's a terrible campaigner, DeSantis. He's awful. He's stiff. He doesn't look like he cares about the folks. Um, he can't get his message across without repeating himself 15 times. He's boring. And in this day and age, you can't be boring. And he is. We got into this on State House Happenings today, and we obviously had Merritt on earlier. We'll have Abdul on later on the show, but on our State House Happenings program, which airs on Sunday mornings here on WIBC, you got five people running for governor, and there is not one of them that you look at and say, that person's really interesting to cover. That's pathetic that there's five people running for governor, and not one of them mm-hmm. do you look at and go, I'm interested in actually covering that person. And this is what Ron DeSantis ran into. Records matter, but not that much anymore. And Ron DeSantis is a disinteresting person personally to cover. Great story, really good governor, but just not somebody that the media would flock to and say, if you cover Trump, you know you're always going to get some golden nugget mm-hmm. that can be the centerpiece of your story that someone will, will want to read. If you covered Ramaswamy, there's a good chance you're going to get some golden nugget that will be the centerpiece of your story that people might want to read. You get a headline. You don't get that with DeSantis. Same way you're not getting that with any of the five. I thought Curtis Hill might be that person, but he is not. He's been incredibly boring so far. Thus far, there, there's no interest in this race because they're all just kind of the same vanilla plastic people mm-hmm. who stand for or they say they stand for all kind of the exact same stuff when's the only time we got enthusiasm on the governor's race in indiana when curtis hill came out about uh the man the mandates yeah and then rem- and, and said that he would not require mass mandates yeah and then everybody had to respond to that and then he just stopped saying provocative stuff like that he got all those great headlines and everybody had to play follow the leader and then he just stopped mm-hmm. it's just isn't 
intriguing for people to want to watch. Bill O'Reilly said that he had a shot, but ultimately he's too he's not a good campaigner and that's why he's doing so bad. Now, since he dropped out after the Iowa caucus, Vivek Ramaswamy has pretty much just joined the Trump campaign team <laughs> and here he is talking about how New Hampshire looks for Donald Trump. Look, I was there, uh, what, just last night. Feels mm-hmm. like a long time ago, but I was side by side with Trump. We spoke to a large audience. I think it's looking pretty good. I do think that a lot of the libertarians in New Hampshire should now come this direction. That's yes. part of what I wanted to yes. throw in Trump's direction with my endorsement. Yes. I was attracting a lot of libertarian support. And my case to the libertarians would be, you want to go the direction of an old Republican party of Dick Cheney that forks over our money to fight foreign wars that don't advance our interests and a surveillance state at home that <sighs> ties your internet profiles to your social media accounts to your government-issued ID. I think that's the wrong vision. Nikki Haley and other Republicans may stand for that. But if you want to vote for liberty, the last best chance left in this race is Donald Trump. Stop, stop, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Whatever you want to think about Donald Trump, he is the last candidate an actual libertarian would vote for because Trump is totally a big government authoritarian. He is totally for executive authority single stroke of a pen rule he's totally for big government he is totally for entitlements this stuff this crap right here Mm -hmm. i was garnering a bunch of support among libertarians who you got seven percent in iowa who who are these libertarians (laughs) flocking to you ramaswamy these people just lie like it's going out of style casey now if that were nikki haley saying i'm attracting a lot of democrats that actually is true i'm attracting the military industrial complex supporter that is true Mm -hmm. but donald trump is not the candidate of a libertarian look again i get it many many people are on the revenge tour and they think the country was stolen from them and all the other stuff i get it fine great but donald trump is not Uh, a small government guy. He's not a small cost of government guy. He is not a limited scope of government guy. Donald Trump believes in big government, big government spending, big government entitlement. And I'm not even talking the COVID stuff, all the pre-COVID stuff. I mean, we were running trillion dollar near or near trillion dollar deficits under Trump. He does not believe in limited government. So this guy, Mm -hmm. this guy who again, reminds me of a dude I used to see in the high school parking lot at Brownsburg High School who used to sell stuff out of the back of his trunk. He reminds me exactly like this guy. I mean, they just lie. They just just say ridiculous stuff, Casey. Ridiculous stuff. Okay, well, let's talk about the cost of the presidency. Ad Impact reporting that more than $300 million has already been spent in presidential primary ad spending. How much? $300 million. (laughs) It's actually $318.7 million. And this is actually less than a few years ago where it was in upwards of $400 million. And that was all on the Democrat side of things. If you are a person who has given money mm-hmm. to one of these candidates, I would be fascinated to hear from you. Like, if you would, if you would be willing to call our hotline at 317-684-8444, tell, me, tell us how much you gave who you gave it to, and, and why. why. I would yeah. be very, very interested to know why people would give to a president. I totally get, hey, my friend Fred is running for state house, and Fred uh, would be great. I, I get it. I totally get My friend Susie is running for city council, and I've known Susie for I totally get it. But 
why would you give your hard-earned money to these people who their universal desire is to take your hard-earned money, some of them just more than others? What is the what is the theory and logic behind this? So the interesting thing about this is that so far, Nikki Haley has spent the most money at $63.7 million, followed by Ron DeSantis spending $58.1 million, and then finally, you've got Donald Trump spending $51.7 million. You know, this is a, that's interesting because... He spent the less, and he's the one who won the Iowa caucus. Yeah, but he spent the least in 2016, and now he didn't win Iowa caucus. They tied, basically, and then won all the rest after that. But he spent a lot less than his opponents in 2016 because he was really good at earned media and... I think it comes back to, and this may be proof of this, because let's face it, the competition Trump had in 2016 is light years ahead of the competition he had in 2020 or 2024. I mean, DeSantis was supposed to be, it was clear about three weeks in, that ain't going to be that. And Nikki Haley's a joke and Christie and I mean, all the rest of these goobers. And Trump was so good because he was so interesting that he would get so much earned media. And he said this at the time, because I don't need to spend money. Mm-hmm. I'll go on a radio show or I'll go on a TV show and 10 billion people are going to watch it. I don't need to spend this money. He is having to spend more money this time. And I think part of that is because the networks, the media, while Trump is still somewhat interesting, he's not nearly as interesting. It's like a, t- we talked about this before. It's like a TV show mm-hmm. that was a really good TV show that the networks just keep keeping on because, well, what else are we going to put on? And after about year four or five on most TV shows, you start to see that steady decline because they've just kind of run out of wild and wacky ideas to do with your central characters. And I think that's kind of where Trump is right now. Well, naturally, Iowa, home of the uh, first primary, received the bulk of the political advertising with $119 million spent to target the caucus voter. Okay, uh, there's something you could be spending your money oh. on for somebody here in Indiana. Oh, yeah! Oh, and, my goodness! And and I want to spend the money on this. <laughs> oh, and, my goodness. And, and I think we should. He's an outsider, Casey. He's an outsider. He's an outsider. Uh-huh, and he's inviting you to do something. We're talking about Brad Chambers, and that's coming up next from 93 WIBC. Wasting away again <laughs> Does this song make you want to go to Florida? Well, have we got the trip for you. 23 minutes after 10, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's a leadership retreat. <laughs> Is that what they're calling it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. Save the date. Please join Brad Chambers at the Chambers for Indiana Leadership Retreat. Starts tomorrow. (laughs) Okay. So Brad Chambers is the, he's running for governor. He's Holcomb's toady lackey stooge, who is the head of the IEDC. Our nickname for him is Professional Errand Boy because he, that's what he did. He ran errands for Holcomb uh, through the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, uh, helping Holcomb's elitist oftentimes foreign friends Mm -hmm. get cushy deals here in Indiana. And uh, we see what a train wreck the IEDC has now become. We had Caitlin Lang on earlier this week from State Affairs talking about how basically that's a giant ruse and a bunch of the stuff they promised didn't come to fruition. The leap thing is a total disaster. And Brad Chambers oversaw all of that. Mm -hmm. So Chambers is laughably because, well, he's a politician, so he's lying by his very fact that he's breathing or he's a want to be politician is trying to cast himself as an outsider mm-hmm. 
And Casey, the campaign finance reports are out. He raised, so he gave himself $5 million. Yeah. And then he raised $3.5 million, which if you take out the $5 million he gave himself, he's still the top fundraiser. Yeah. And these are not people that are like, oh man, I can't wait to give this guy 20 bucks. Right, these I, aren't small donors. I'm not going to eat lunch this week so Brad can, so I can help the Brad campaign. Like, this is an Obama 2008. He has huge corporate you know, the, the people who run these huge corporations and, and elitists and donors and lobbyists giving him huge amounts of money. And it is laughable that he is looking the people of Indiana in the eye and going, I'm an outsider. I'm an outsider. <laughs> and you can go to his leadership retreat. No, so this is great. So he is having this event. Nothing says a uh, uh, regular guy mm-hmm. like having a retreat at the Ritz-Carlton in Naples, in Florida. Florida. The, the room rate. So, Casey, the room rate, and I, this isn't even the money that goes to him. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just what it costs to go to his event, is $750 a night plus yeah. taxes and fees. Yeah. So, that's just to get in the door. $750. bucks. i am guessing you got to stay two nights, right? I mean, yeah. it's, fri- it's Friday and Saturday. You get the uh, room block rate, too. You're in. F- that's the discounted rate. Yeah, $1,500 just for your bed and board. $1,500 large just to go to this thing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's going to be, it's like going to, uh, you know, some Ponzi scheme, high pressure sales pitch, you know, where they're not just like wanting you there for your moral support. <laughs> they, they want you to open your wallet and bring your rich friends with you. I mean, this is this is just the most laughable thing in the world. And and thankfully, I think, you know, I, I think the word is out on this guy. Like if you look at the he does all these ad buys on social media mm-hmm. where his posts get placed in Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And Twitter or Facebook is not real life, but I do read the comments on these ads, and I laugh hysterically at how he is just getting brutally bashed on things he's paying to promote because people are aware. This guy is Holcomb's stooge. He's Holcomb's hand-picked guy. He was Holcomb's right-hand man. And we, mm-hmm. Mr. Professional Aaron Boy, mm-hmm. and your $750 a night retreat in another state from where you want to be governor aren't buying <laughs> any of it. I love the comments on it. He is the establishment pick. I guess it's an <laughs> outsider retreat. <laughs> Went out, have his Indiana, uh, have it here in Indiana to help the economy. So his base is the wealthy that winter in Naples. Well, I mean, his his team of the people around him, if you were to say who is the most connected Holcomb dream team, mm-hmm. that is who's running Brad Chambers' campaign. And thankfully, he's been running ads for a very, very long time now. And if you believe there are a couple of internal polls, multiple outlets have reported floating around out there, he's not making any sort of dent because just like the rest of these guys he's totally uninspiring you look at the guy and if you were to look up uninspiring in the dictionary there would be a picture of brad chambers (laughs) you look at him and you go that is plastic wannabe politician man who's trying to buy a governor's seat i don't know rob it sounds lovely i mean it starts off tomorrow with an evening welcome reception and then on saturday you get breakfast and morning panels then lunch and then open afternoon for activities and then reception and dinner. <laughs> you know what we we'll should make room for activities. You know, tomorrow's my birthday, Rob. I think the show should send me down. Is tomorrow legitimately your birthday? Tomorrow is legitimately my birthday. And I think Happy I, birthday. I need to go to the leadership retreat with Brad Chambers just to 
just to see what's going on. Oh, Casey, we'd love to send for you $1,500. Is that in the show budget? Sadly, that uh, responsibility has <laughs> already been delegated to Tony Katz. Sure it has. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got a couple voicemails coming up from 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. The phone number, if you'd like to contribute, 317-684-8444. It's time for your voicemails with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So yesterday when Hammer was joining us in the studio, you guys uh, enlisted the Council of Women yeah. to help Kevin uh-huh. with his uh, his love life. Yeah, we got three ladies in the Kevin's Council of mm-hmm. Ladies. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Kevin, you made the comment that you need to lower your standards and start going for sixes. <laughs> it was just an idea. An Indiana six, huh? Uh, well, somebody <laughs> wanted to call and they have to tell you something about that idea. Kevin, sometimes you can't pay any attention to Rob. Remember, all sixes have friends that are nine or tens. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. So basically, befriend the sixes mm-hmm. to get to the tens. <laughs> I think that's what he's saying. That just seems like a lot of work, Kevin. Yeah. Like it just seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, occasionally in the voicemails, uh, mul- people will, the same person will call mm-hmm. and leave multiple messages. Like, yeah. oh, I forgot. I wanted to also comment sure. on this. And why, I mean, this show is so uh, enthralling mm-hmm. and there's so many really good topics that we cover each day. I can see why people would just keep calling back. Multiple and, yeah, times. absolutely. And that was the case today. Uh, same guy called back and uh, he had an opinion on something. You remember yesterday we were talking about the girl who was getting married and she wanted her father yeah. to pay for the wedding, yet she did not want him to walk her down the aisle. Yeah. So same guy called back and he has an opinion about that. Uh, the segment yesterday about the daughter not wanting her father to walk her down the aisle, we'll never know the whole circumstances of that, but I can only say that having a 22-year-old daughter myself who is engaged, it would take wild horses to drag her down the aisle without her father doing it. I believe and know for a fact that my future son-in-law would also agree, whether I was ill or not, that she would postpone the wedding or whatever it took for me to be there because I raised my child to have love, affection, respect, unconditional love, that is, And there is no way, but what a topsy-turvy world that we live in where right is wrong and wrong (laughs) is right. I guess I can throw in entitlement. Perhaps that's one of the reasons. We'll never know. Please help. (laughs) So I think his comment about how his future son-in-law agrees, that not only says something about him, but also the daughter that he raised, because uh, it's a reflection of the man that a woman chooses is a reflection of her upbringing. Well, I, you know, I have uh, struggled with this because, as you know, I write this journal every day to my daughter. And sometimes, again, it's about things she did each day, like she 
learn to sit up on her own the other day. I know. That was so awesome. And so we note those sort of things. But then some days where there's not some monumental thing happening, I just write thoughts mm-hmm. in the moment. And one of the things that I've tried to preach to her inside this journal, because I don't know when exactly she'll read it, I would, in my mind, it'll be about the time she graduates high school, is that if we do our jobs as a parent, she will respect herself far more than any other man will respect her. And what that what I mean by that is it doesn't mean that I don't want her to find somebody and marry and be happy. I do. But if you respect yourself, you're not going to fall prey to the games of the world that exist in the dating culture. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is one of the onuses on us as a parent. And it's true whether you have a boy or a girl, but I think it's probably even more paramount having a a daughter that if you do your job as a parent they're going to demand certain things from any person any person they're going to spend their time with period much less someone that they're prepared to have any sort of closeness or you know bonding experience that comes with dating relationship etc and so if you raise your kids right and ultimately people are free thinkers and free beings and they're free to live whatever life they want but if you raise your kids right then this sort of thing won't be an issue Mm -hmm. because they'll understand the respect that is owed to parents and i'm not saying you be heavy-handed authoritarian person but it's just simply in the way that you raise your kids and look i i do this all the time and you know we've joked about this before but i will just talk to my daughter at this point, she's not even seven months old, but I will just talk to her as though she is now 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And I will tell her things that I will tell her for the remainder of her life. And we were having this similar sort of conversation, or I was I was having this similar <laughs> right. sort of conversation with her yesterday. And she's just looking at me smiling the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a big part of me, and I'm sure childhood experts can weigh in on this more than I can, but the earlier you start doing these things and you do them with love and with kindness and with compassion and not some heavy handed of you will, but here's what you deserve, then they're more apt to want to do that. I mean, there's something seriously wrong with having so little respect for your parents who by all accounts or, you know, public feature have given you a good and decent upbringing in life that you would treat them that way. Yeah. You're building a foundation for your daughter yeah which will you know show in years to come and it is a matter of respect it was never a question for me never even popped in my mind when i got married that it wouldn't be my father who was walking me down the aisle and giving me away and it's such a convoluted this woman who we played yesterday it's not like oh my dad was vicious to me or my dad was mean to me or my dad abused me it's some convoluted, warped thing learned in society. Women are not people's property and they're not to be given away. Like, that is a time-honored tradition that your parents raised you. Relationships between fathers and daughters are incredibly special. And they are different than relationships between fathers and sons. And that is part of what's happening if you have raised your daughter right, as you have protected her, you've taken care of her, you have loved her, and you are passing that off. 
onto another man who you are trusting mm -hmm. to carry to, on. to carry on with that. And it's just like so sick that there are people out there like like that now who that's how they view it. Like you're somebody's property. No, that's not what that is about. Yeah. Okay. So more from that. And somebody called and they had an idea for that young lady. In regards to the girl who didn't want her father to walk her down the aisle at her wedding, I think this would be a great opportunity for some girl who doesn't even have a father to reach out to that man and ask him to walk her down the aisle at her wedding. I'm sure there's a lot of girls who've lost their fathers that would appreciate something like that. That's all. Bye. Yeah. Uh, That's and, a great thought. Yeah, and there's people out there who would love that opportunity yeah. to have their father with them on that important moment. And this girl is saying, nah, doesn't matter to me. One more phone call about this, and uh, this guy is questioning the way that she was raised. Casey, this is John from Bloomington. Uh, the key part about her message about her wedding to be was how her dad, how they raised her to be a liberal thinker. And that's why she knows that things don't have to be traditional and decided to do this. But anyway, my main thing that I wanted to ask was whatever happened to conversations that I used to hear all the time on different shows about Cloward and Piven? And isn't everything that's happening and all the trillions being printed and sent out isn't this all catapulting exponentially toward that? And isn't this the end goal to shut down everything so that they're in charge when the lights go out? And, uh, you know, just question. Thanks. Love your show. Bye. So this is a, a political strategy that was enacted really in the it was formed in the late 1960s and the democrats have used it very effectively ever since which is if you just continue to create enough chaos mm -hmm. and you create enough crisis or perceived crisis then people will demand government intervention people will demand societal change people will become numb to the traditions before because those traditions they will associate with what has created these crises and if you look at our nation i mean look at covid is a phenomenal example of that and you see this stuff over and over and over again which comes back to what we've talked about many many times in the show the left does not want to make america better they want to burn america to the ground and recreate it in an image that they see fit societal collapse orchestrated through crisis that's something like the world economic forum could be brought to you by the cloward and fiven strategy <laughs> all right one last thing that i wanted to play for you before hammer joins us this is bidenomics in one video uh this guy might be showing rob up for going off the rails oh. i know you go off the rails oh. with hammer and nigel yeah. on thursdays and here's this guy and his rant on the current economy why is everything so damn expensive? <laughs> Four years ago, my rent was $1,200 a month at a luxury apartment complex. It is now $2,100, <laughs> not even including utilities. I went to the grocery store yesterday, right, and got three bags of chips, some ground turkey, and some vegetables, and it was $67. <laughs> what? My car insurance from four years ago until now, with no tickets, no wrecks, no nothing on my driver's record, has gone from $130 to $240 per month. <laughs> Three years ago, my electric bill was averaging $45. Now it's averaging $125. You go and get a tank of gas once a week, and you're dropping 70 bucks. 
I mean, a guy can't even buy a can of dip for less than $8. <laughs> $8 for a can of dip? What the f*** is going <laughs> Okay, so, you know, the White House press secretary says the economy is actually really strong, and it's going to take time for people to fully understand what the president has done. Yeah, well, look, we, we talked about this when it was happening in real time, when people were getting those checks from the government and mm-hmm. delayed it. I said, it's going to cost you a world more than that 600 bucks, and it sure has, Casey. <laughs> Hammer's up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Nine minutes away from 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And Hammer joining us in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. We were talking about television during the break. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you would ask me a question about what that ripoff of Married with Children was. Yes. Back in the early 90s. And what was the name of the show? Unhappily Ever After. That's right. Bobcat Goldthwait mm-hmm. was like the voice of... Mr. You know, Floppy. Right. And Hot Nikki Cox mm-hmm. was the ripoff of Kelly Bundy. <laughs> yeah. And then the the guy, the, I mean, it totally was married with children, and the dad is kind of like Al Bundy. And it then, was Aldi's married with children. Yeah. And then uh, Bob, <laughs> what, oh, I can never get the guy's name right. What's his Bobcat name? Bobcat Goldfoy. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to pronounce. He played this uh, voice, this character called Mr. Floppy, and it was a stuffed animal that the end of at the end of every episode, the dad, who was supposed to be Al Bundy, would go down and have some long involved conversation and and it was awful oh it was it was horrible so Uh, bad nikki cox was not horrible no and she went on to be in that las vegas tv series with like james con and she married jay moore for a little while oh boy like you talk about a dude that's outkicked his coverage Mm -hmm. his whole Mm -hmm. life he dated nikki cox for a while and now he's married to Jeannie bus remember the uh, the the owner of the lakers Lakers. remember the early days of the internet when it was like nikki cox and cindy margolis that was nice 90% 90% of the internet back then was like three or four women. Right. Carmen Electra. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which she still got her fastball, by the way. Yeah. Like if you watch the last dance series mm-hmm. and she's talking about her rendezvous with Rodman, she's not young anymore, mm-hmm. but she still got the fastball. Remember the early days of fake nudes where they would take some celebrity's head and put it on someone else's body? Right. And we were too stupid to know that that wasn't actually The original them. deep fake. Oh my goodness. The Julie Louis-Dreyfus nude has leaked out. <laughs> and you're waiting for the internet screen to load all the way down on the, the dial, dial up. <laughs> sure. All right. So on the subject of TV, yeah. this is something I did with Nigel yesterday. Oh, boy. And it, he ran the table. Oh, on it. I'm he sure got he did. every one of yeah. these. So we're going to play a classic TV oh, show no. theme song. Oh. Rob, it is your job oh, boy. to see how many you can name. If okay? I don't know, Casey knows. Can I tag her in? See if she gets it right. You get one lifeline. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Kevin, number one. Full house. Yeah. yeah. There we go. All right. One for one. That was the easy one. Okay. Yeah. Number two. Just a good old boy. Never mean it no harm. What? Go ahead. Come on, Rob. No idea. Wait, Jennings singing. What? Oh, come on. Good old boy. General Lee's making a jump over a canyon right now. I was not even born when this thing came (laughs) out. What do you mean? Dukes of Hazzard. Dukes of Hazzard. Okay, fine. Yeah. I've never wanted to throw a hot cup of coffee on someone. So oh, bad you in all literally my life. did this because you know I'm going to fail. You said I want to watch you squirm. Don't act like you didn't know I was going to fail. I don't watch TV. Nigel's blacked out 80% of his life and he got all of these. <laughs> You're right. He wasn't even born. So I'll, I'll, all right. I'll give you number that. three. Mm-hmm. Growing pains. Yes. Nice. 
And I love Rob's excuse. All of the music that he likes is from like 1970, but yet you get a TV show from the 80s and he craps his pants. I didn't watch a lot of television. My parents had me watching upper class shows, you know, the political talk type shows. Right. The show with Nikki Cox in it, yeah. Uh-huh. Number four. <laughs> Don't care, be in Cincinnati. Nice. There we go. You work in our line of work and you don't get that right. Uh You should lose your job. All right, number five. Oh. Night Court. Yes, there there you go. Nice. See, you did better than you thought you would. Yeah, I got. I'm sorry I missed that other one. I just. You know, I, I just, again, I really watched an upper class mm-hmm. type Duke, of show. Dukes the Hazard wasn't Parents on the list. were very into making sure that I was always expanding my mental. You do know that Boss Hogsett gets his nickname from yeah, that I show. Yeah, I do know that. Okay. Yeah, I do okay. know that. Yeah. You watched Alf growing up, <laughs> yeah, I so did. stop it. I did. I Don't still give do. me this upper class stuff. You weren't sitting down watching C-SPAN. You were watching Alf, and Alf is awful. <laughs> hey, what's coming up this afternoon? You. Uh-huh. You, Rob Kendall, is going to flip out and go off the rails. We've got uh, updates on the Delphi murders, big court death. And uh, we'll have the biggest stories in Indy. Thank you, Hammer. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.